We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Welcome into the Three Mob Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young from K State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. It is Farmageddon Week, boys, and now our attention is fully focused in on the good old fighting Cyclones of Iowa State, or the fighting Matt Campbells, uh, perhaps the better way to say it. So you know we're going to have some fun with this show here today. Uh, I'm sure it'll get off the rails. I am quite certain of that because I've looked at the outline that I put together. So I know I know where we're headed. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, I would direct your attention to behind Cole's head, where <laughs> I won't. I guess I won't expose any of the surprise there. But if you are familiar with the K State Iowa State Twitter back and forth, I think you have at least a, a pretty good idea of what that is behind Cole's head. I don't even know what's happening with that. He says there's something something special coming up in the Iowa State preview section of the pod. So. That's the best tease I can give you. I don't even know what's happening on my own damn show. So we'll we'll all find out together. Would you like, Cole, would you like to tease it out any more than that, or is that good enough? No, we'll do it at the Iowa State preview when we get into the uh, details of it. But I did – I replaced my wedding photo here um, with some Iowa State Ridge <laughs> pictures. Row, you've done that, right? Yeah, right. well, and if I duck out, you can actually see I, I taped over it with some of these pictures. Uh, you can see my wife's wedding dress, which is, by the way, on, taken on the uh, the Veneer football complex in, uh, before it was redone. So, um, yeah, and, and I just – I wanted to get a third picture of the press box, to be honest, but when I maximized the scale and tried to print it, it still wouldn't show up. So I ended up not – not including it unfortunately okay all right well that's that's what we got something's coming with all that something's coming i'm sure there'll be plenty of bridge talk plenty of bridge breaking down to be done on the show here today and i'm sure that's exactly why uh our friends at holiday distillery decided to sponsor this year podcast this fine program uh shout out to them for deciding to sponsor it anyway and bringing you 360 vodka ben holiday bottled and bond bourbon uh go stock up on it Look, it's going to be a long day Saturday. We, that game's not kicking until 6.30. All right, there's going to be some nerves for your boy here throughout the day. So, you know, what can help that sometimes. A little 360 vodka, a little Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon, however you want to mix it up, or just take it straight, neat, on the rocks, whatever. Go help out Holiday Distillery because they 
support us, great K-Staters. Uh, they'll be locked in, I'm sure, for Farmageddon this week as well. All right, we start with the headlines. And before we get into the actual dynamics of the Iowa State game, the rivalry, all that, which I think has taken up most of uh, the headline space this week, I do want to bring attention to just how elite K-State's backfield combination looks right now with Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez, because I know this stat was mentioned earlier in the week. I don't know that we covered it on the last pod, but Adrian Martinez is one of only three power five quarterbacks in the last 15 years to have over 300 yards rushing and seven touchdowns on the ground in two games. The other two, Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson, they won some hardware uh, while they were in school. And now Adrian Martinez, we did talk about the other day, top five Heisman odds, depending on where it is that you look. But you throw in, man, like what he and Deuce are doing together, it's pretty incredible. Deuce Vaughn leading the Big 12 and rushing. Adrian Martinez, shout out to Clint, the K-State fan on Twitter. He pointed out Adrian Martinez is averaging more yards per game on the ground right now than any quarterback in K-State history for a season. If he were to finish it out right now, he would have the all-time lead there. We're talking Colin Klein, speaking of Heisman finalists, both of his seasons in 2011 and 2012, Adrian Martinez outpacing here at the moment. So, what context do you want to offer here to what we're seeing right now between these two DUI? Is this is this L. Roberson, Darren Sproles 2.0 for the rest of the year? Well, I'll leave that to Cole uh, to, to be the Kansas State historian. But in terms of what he's doing, look, they're about two plays away, or probably just a play away from Adrian Martinez having over 200 rushing yards last week against Texas Tech. He had 171 on the day, I want to say. And remember, he had that scramble that I think at least went for 35, probably went for at least 40 that was called back because of a Hadley-Panzer hold as well. That puts him over 200. You take away the sack yardage, he gets close to 200 even without that play. That's how well he's rushing the ball right now. It's not just the design runs. Um, it's it's even the scrambles, the uh, little bit off book, off script. He's probably been more effective in that way, although he's getting it done both ways. His 55-yard uh, his scamper against Oklahoma, his 69-yard you know, rally against Texas Tech, it's been the explosive plays a lot lately. And the same goes for Deuce Vaughn. He had 170, but he, he did his with the explosive play as well. He had a 69-yard run of his own. It's the only worry is what they're doing in between those explosives, right? Because, you know, in between, I think I saw something around like 20 carries for 70 yards. So they're really relying on the explosives when it when it comes to the rushing attack. There's not a whole lot of consistency, but I guess when you're rallying up, rattling them off the way that you, they are, you feel good about it. At some point, they'll need some explosives in the passing game. That's where it's non-existent. But when it comes to, you know, what he's doing on the ground, he's bailing Kansas State out is what he's doing, especially in the passing game, because uh, they're not finding enough yardage through the air, but they're probably getting enough done in the passing game because if you account for the scrambling yardage that he's adding in, and it's just – he's bailing Kansas State out. There's no way about it because Deuce Vaughn hasn't even been a threat in the passing game. Well, it's interesting because it hasn't been the uh, the ground and pound five to six yards per carry where they've been able to generate a consistent running game. I mean, they've been bottled up for segments of run of games when it comes to running the football. You look at the second quarter in that game, Missouri game, even K-State was bottled up with the running game for a large part of it until they had some explosive busts at later in the game. 
Um, you know, so the, I mean, the explosives are certainly key, but you would like to see a little more consistency in the running game to be able to establish that. I think Oklahoma, you know, would probably be their best overall running performance from a consistency standpoint. We saw Deuce Vaughn churning out multiple seven, 10 yard, 15 yard runs running with physicality. He always runs with physicality, but more holes consistently opened up now. Was that because of Oklahoma's defense? Right. I mean, that that is now a question mark, right, Uh, given with what we have seen transpire against TCU the following week. But, uh, you know, to the actual point that you made, John, about Roberson, Sproles and comparing, I think Deuce and Adrian are potentially more dynamic from a big play perspective, just because I think Adrian is actually a little bit faster than L. The only thing I think they're probably missing is the verticality a DY signal in it right there. They had James Terry and Taco Wallace at wide receiver on that football team, and they had the ability to stretch the field with the big plays. I mean, you look at 2003, James Terry had, what, 1,400, 1,500 yards receiving where they could throw it downfield. They may not have had the highest completion rate, but the ability to stretch the field and scare defenses with the vertical passing game made it easier for, you know, L. Roberson and Darren Sproles to maybe have some more openings in the running game. And Adrian doesn't necessarily have that. Malik Knowles is their most explosive player. And, you know, K-State doesn't have a receiver uh, tied in, running back, or at the wide receiver position, over 200 yards receiving this year. Uh, so they're, they're lacking a little bit there. You'd like to see some more consistency from that position and in the passing game overall so that they could be more consistent in the running game. Um, so that's, that's going to be a big key is over the next several weeks, can they develop a little more consistency in the passing game to open up that running game? And they're going to have to block long enough to where those downfield passes have time to actually unfold too. Well, I was just going to, I mean, is this, is this the week that it has to happen? Like Cole, you just said, Hey, they're going to have to develop eventually that that passing game downfield is, is this the week against a pretty darn good Iowa state defense that that's going to have to happen? Like, will they sell out enough to shut down Adrian Martinez to, to force K state to do that? Yeah. I mean, the three-three-five is pretty conducive to shutting down a quarterback run game in general. That's because uh, you have the split safeties instead of single high safety. So that's it's generated, kind of configured to where your quarterback run game will probably be contained just by the sheer you know alignment situation that Iowa State has to an extent. So I almost think Deuce Vaughn will probably be more dangerous in their running game on Saturday than than Adrian Martinez personally. And at some point, if Adrian keeps doing this, and maybe Iowa State's going to be the team to do it, a, uh, a team's going to spy on Adrian more than they are, are on Deuce. And by that, I mean in the passing game too, right? I'm not just talking they're going to force Adrian to give it to Deuce when they do read option. In the passing game, everyone's wondering why, hey, why are, why is not Deuce Vaughn involved in the passing game? Well, when he goes out for a route, there's a spy on him in in – it's not just linebackers. Sometimes it's a safety. Sometimes it's two guys. That's why Adrian Martinez has the running lanes that he has in the passing game. Why he's the, the quarterback scrambles are there because they're accounting for Deuce Vaughn. And when your offensive line is struggling against the blitz, and right now they are, they haven't had the, they haven't found an answer there, but I, I still think that group's going to come along. But you have to leave in Deuce to to be that weapon as a pass protector, and he's done a pretty good job of it. Even if it's giving Adrian Martinez a half a second more, that's made a difference on three or four, five passes this year, especially on third downs. And that's a that's kind of a big deal to me anyway. D.Y., hasn't uh, 
you correct me if I'm wrong on this. My perception has been that K-State has struggled to run the football consistently in the Chris Kleiman era against three-man fronts, odd-looking fronts. Is that like Oklahoma State, for example? Well, I was, I was they, just, they've, they've always struggled with Oklahoma State. And West Virginia, right? Baylor. West Virginia and Baylor, right? Isn't Baylor another three-man front typically? They are. They are because they have Siaki Egos, the best-nosed guard. In, well, him or Huggins, best-nosed guard in the Big 12. And didn't Tulane run a three-man? They A little bit of. Both. Both. They were over the, all over the place. I mean, I know Oklahoma was bringing stunts from all over the field and gave different looks in case they was affected. Oklahoma doesn't there. know what they are defensively. Yeah. That's no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like when we've watched K-State struggle in the running game, it's been West Virginia, Baylor, Iowa State. Um, but that might just be my perception. Um, it wasn't the first, it definitely wasn't the first year. I will put it that way. But I don't know if that's continued to be a trend over time. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm looking at the first-year box score against Iowa State of the Climate era in 2019 when K-State won 27-17, 49 carries, 231 rushing yards, so nearly five yards per carry. Last year, they uh, had 33 carries for 136 yards, which was four years. But they were – Some of those teams we're talking about, I mean, it's I, I get like we're trying to find like the common denominator here being the obvious front with Iowa State, Baylor, and Oklahoma State. But guess what? Those are the three best run defenses typically in the Big 12 – regardless of the front everyone struggles against those three i mean you're right you're right for sure i mean especially oklahoma state and baylor i mean yeah 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 i would also just point out too i mean iowa state the other thing that gives me a lot of pause and the reason i asked the question hey will this be the week that adrian martinez really gets shut down on the ground is because i mean look at what happened to jalen daniels last week and i know that's not just about him on the ground but just him to the i mean he didn't didn't do a whole lot last week against iowa state and that was the first defense to really they're good. Douse him at all. Yeah. After he had all the hype that he had going into that game. Uh, second headline of the week. Look, K-State has to get Matt Campbell this time. You just brought up 2019. That was a fun game. He got the first matchup. The last two years, I don't have to remind anybody, have not gone well. Combined score of 78 to 20, 33 to 20 last year, 45 nothing in Ames two years ago, which I know pandemic K-State didn't. Did K-State bring more than like two linebackers to that game because of COVID at the time? I mean, it was it was rough. Uh, that was a rough situation. K-State maybe shouldn't have played the game. But this is a game you need to go get. This is a regional rival in recruiting. You butt heads against them all the time. Not just because we have Twitter scores to settle here, but you know, if you want realistically to get more of a leg up on them in what has become a really interesting regional rivalry here, this, this is a game that you need to go get. Last year, Iowa State had the Roster littered with players on the All-Big 12 team this year. It's K-State. They had all the experience, the veteran guys this year. It's K-State. This is the worst Iowa State team that K-State has played in the Chris Kleiman era. I think it's safe to say that. I understand it's a night game. I understand it's on the road. I understand they're wearing their black uniforms, all that stuff, the bridge, you know, all the things that you can't really account for. I get it. This is a game that you got to go win. Need to go win this thing. I mean, I won't, I won't disagree. Is it the worst team? 19? It's this one or 19? I don't know. I, I go back and forth a little bit. I don't. Do you think this? So, nine, they went seven and five and then got blasted by Notre Dame in the bowl game that they year. They got to the Camping World Bowl, guys. Jamie Pollard yeah. campaigned his way in. Lost some friends over that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Iowa State did go seven and five, seven and five that year. I don't know. I mean, this Iowa State team could still go seven and five. I don't think that's a stretch. They probably have to win this one to get there. Yeah. It'll be tough without it. But I don't know. I 
I, records wise, then yeah, then this lot 19 will be better. But I still think this one's on par with that one, just not, not the last two in general. I agree, though, Kansas State's got to get it. But I will say this they are, it's like a different situation. I, I know the parallels between Kansas State and Iowa State this year and last year because the, the rules are kind of flipped. But Iowa State's just lost two Big 12 games already, right? They lost to Kansas, they lost to Baylor. Um, Baylor was at home, so but with the program and culture that they have too, and they're at home, desperate, eager to win. It's a night, Jack Trice Stadium. I'm not saying that that changes the course for Kansas State. Still have to go win this game because this is your one of your better teams, the Chris Kleiman era, and a lesser one for Matt Campbell. For that reason, Kansas State has to win, and it's the get over the hump game that they haven't been able to get over the hump with during the Chris Kleiman era. But man, you're going to get. I think this will be the best game Iowa State plays all year. You know, I, I would say that I in the Chris Kleiman era at Kansas State, I would say this is probably Iowa State's worst team uh, because I think they've been solid defensively for the most part the last several years, but this is their worst offense. Um, you it know, is. when you look at, you know, Brock Purdy, you know, as much as we made fun of him, some of the mistakes, you know, he also made some flashes, some flashy plays, and they had Brees Hall at running back, right, who was dynamic. And then – Jarrell Brock might not play. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I think if you look at 2019, did they have a – they have Akeem Butler, the the talented dynamic receiver. Who, I think so. I think yeah, and so. they had Alan Lazard, but I think he might have been 18 he's, before yeah, before Kleiman was here. You know, D.Y. would know he's a Packers guy. He's got, got them in Green Bay, but – uh you know, I, I think they had more talent on the offensive side of the football. Um, we're better up front. Well, let me well. let's just let's get this out for accuracy's sake. Uh, Butler was gone in 18 2. So oh wow. Okay. Well, well, I was wrong then. Um they had the tight well, ends. Yeah. yeah, they did have the tight ends. I, I still feel like they were better offensively probably in 2019 um, than they are this year. Well, I mean, but, look, just Bree Brees Hall and Brock Brady. I mean, Hunter Deckers, I've, I've been kind of high on since he was a recruit because K-State chased him and I, I wanted him. But, I mean, my God. Like, did, did, how much did Brees Hall play in 19? I don't know. He didn't play a ton. Um, he got some snaps in Manhattan that year, late in the year, but I can't remember who their uh, their primary back it was. was. It David Montgomery, was Actually, uh, gosh, no, David, I'm David dating Montgomery myself. He's gone in 17. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, but we're, we're going to yeah, – we're not getting this right at all. Uh, Brees Hall, 2019. Brees Hall led them against K-State. 18 carries, 59 yards. He did not. All right. Um, didn't didn't do a lot, but I didn't realize he had 18 carries in that game. Well, I digress. I mean, the overall point cold. here – I know that. The, the overall point here is that it, it is – D.Y. hit on the other part of it. I was focusing more on the Iowa State portion of it. But DYU you said, hey, Iowa State maybe gets a seven and five if they win this game. Yeah, I mean, if Iowa State wins this game, both of these teams are probably headed for seven and five, right? I mean, that's what it that's what it kind of starts to feel like. I know that's not totally true. With K State, could certain they're good enough that they could rebound and have this be one of two losses, for instance, in Big Twelve play. But it would start to take on that feeling, right? Yeah. Then you're like, all right, you got a bye week. It's another another get over the hump game that they lose. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, it's it's yeah. It's a huge game for K State. There's no doubt about maintain, it. I maintain maintain excitement and momentum. Correct. This is a game that they've always tripped up on. Yeah, if right. you can win this game, and then you got the bye week, right? There's Reno, a lot bye of week, boom. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you've got you've got two weeks to really kind of glow and, and get feel TCU good. at the right time. You get them after you're on bye, and they just got done with Oklahoma State. Exactly, and it takes a little bit of pressure off that TU TCU game because you can afford to probably drop that worst case scenario because you're coming back home. 
with home games and against Oklahoma State and Texas. And if you take care of business in those two games and now own the tiebreakers over Oklahoma, Texas, and Oklahoma State, you feel pretty good about where yeah, you, you sit. You, you probably put it this way, and I know Iowa State's the more gettable one. It's the one right in front of us. But hold serve at home and win one of these two road games. You'd like to get both, but just you do only need one. Yeah, I would agree with that. If you could split and then hold serve at home, and then you just got you got to win West Virginia, and you're in the Big Twelve title, right? Because that gets you to seven wins. Seven wins is getting you to the Big Twelve title this year for sure. Yeah, me and Kurt have talked about that. Seven definitely gets you there. Six, could six, get you there this year. six very well could the way this thing's playing out right now. If you have the right tiebreakers, if you beat the right teams, if K State beats. Oklahoma State and Texas, but still managed to slip up in three games. That could get them in still because they'd have tiebreakers over some of the best teams. And the, well, I don't know what Oklahoma's, you know, they may just completely go downhill, but Oklahoma State and Texas, I think, are legit. Yeah. I mean, we say split the, these two next road games, which that's true, but Kurt's. Kurt's doesn't have any Twitter scores with TCU. He's got him with Iowa State. So <laughs> it's just. It's just if you beat Iowa State, then you're kind of playing with house money when you go down to TCU, yes. right? Because then if you get the TCU game, then you're in absolute golden position to get to Arlington. Um, so, DY, I would also just point out too. I mean, how often are they crossing paths and recruiting with TCU? Like, not not as often as Iowa State. No, no, no. I was just messing, but yeah. I, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Well, hey, if K State's gonna win this game, the other headline to me that really stands out in just doing any kind of surface level analysis of this is that. My goodness, the advantage K-State has in special teams on paper going into this game is pretty stark. I mean, I know the obvious is everybody can look at last week and see Iowa State shanking three field goals. God damn it, Iowa State shanking three field goals last week. Um, But also, I mean, if you look at – so KSU underscore fan, who does great work for you guys at On3 at K-State Online – I know he pointed out, and, and D.Y., maybe you can fill me in here. I'm not sure where he was pulling his numbers from, but the these advanced metrics at Iowa State's special teams as 121st in the country and K-State 22nd. I think it's so, like the FEI and the SP Plus okay. type stuff, if I, if I remember correctly. I'll say this. A little surprised Kansas State's ranked that high. Not going to take anything away from them too much because they have, you know, the return for a touchdown. They blocked a couple punts. Um Chris Tennant's had three perfect games in a row. So, I mean, all that team seems to be coming together. But Ty Zender wasn't great at punting against Texas Tech. I think he had two that he would have liked to have back. One went out of bounds. One took a wrong bounce back towards him. He, I think he's kicked it out of bounds on a kickoff two weeks in a row. Um, and then I think a few penalties on special teams. They had a golden opportunity to down it inside the five last week and let it scoot into the end zone. When it was when the when Zender did have a good punt, so man, the kicking has got has improved and the return game is still there when they've had the opportunities in front of them. But aside from that, I, I just the Kansas State special teams in general seems a little uneven to me too, um, blowing blowing a few golden opportunities that they've had as well. But but they're clearly, I mean, it's been a bug. I mean, it's not a disaster, yes, but. Matt, Matt Campbell's special teams have not been good, which is yeah, yeah. throughout his entire time there, which is crazy to me because I would think like his brand seems to very much to me right. be a guy who would be all about I mean, special teams. In comparison to Iowa State, I mean, Kansas State's a special – if you compare it to Iowa State special teams, Kansas State's Alabama. I mean, everybody's yeah. Alabama compared to Iowa State special teams. I just don't think that – I'm surprised that they're as high as they are because maybe some of those things don't go into the statistical book, but they've made some mistakes the last couple of weeks. 
you would expect Matt Campbell to be detail oriented uh, when it comes to special teams and to be better on that side. But last year, you look at him, 2021, 119th in punt return defense, 121st out of 131 FBS teams and kick return defense. And, you know, you can go back through the years. I mean, John, you and me watched in our hotel room in Starkville at the Mississippi State when they ran their own gunner ran into the returner against Iowa that lost them the game, right? Muffed yeah. the punt there. All right, 2018, you and me are in the press box in Ames. I had forgotten about this. I had to go back and check it. Iowa State muffs a punt right before halftime. K-State recovers it in Ames, scores a touchdown to take a 21-14 lead into halftime. 2019, Joshua Youngblood, opening kick return of the game for a touchdown, right? That was big uh, because that game was so cold. Yeah, it was yeah. brutal. <laughs> yeah, um, and then you look at this year specifically – uh, you know, you've got the muff punt against Kansas. You got the three missed field goals. I think they had a kick catch interference called against KU as well in that game. I think they botched the snap on an extra point uh, in the game as well. So, and then the Iowa game this year, two block punts allowed. So they've been a disaster on special teams. And I listened to an Iowa State podcast actually last night where they were just completely railing on Matt Campbell and his special teams over the years. And the thing they were harping on is they don't have a special teams coach. Well, a lot of teams don't have a special teams coach. K-State doesn't have a special teams coach, and they've been solid. So I don't think that's necessarily the, the main thing. It's just maybe they just don't put enough of an emphasis on it with the rest of their coaching staff like Kansas State does because uh, they're struggling across the board. You know, Hopefully the kicking woes continue from their place kicker, loses some confidence. We know K-State's gotten Chris Tennant at least back on track. D.Y. mentioned it. He's seven for seven well, on field goals. his teeth on every field goal, but it counts. Yeah, <laughs> as long as they get through there. You that, know. Was the, that was the thing I was going to say. So, like, you know, let, let me let me give you a scenario here. And I, I don't say this to I'm, – I'm happy that Chris Tennant's gotten it back on track. I love the potential of him. But if it if it's – Make the make, John. Make the make. K-State's down 23-21 uh, with – 15 seconds left and you've got a 42 yard ah, no 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 let's because the short ones have been more <laughs> you got it you got a 31 yard field goal like from the right hash to win the game and chris Tennant walking out there like how scale of one to ten how confident are you it's 50 50 but that's better than it was baby hey I would, confidence is a main thing it makes a make and he's got it going i would be like a one or two john and that's not necessarily chris Tennant. that's college kickers in general I don't trust any college kicker. We just saw the All-American, maybe the best kicker in football in Harrison Mevis, miss a 26-yarder to beat Auburn when they were just taking a knee to set up right in the middle of the field, right? So I would never feel comfortable. If K-State had Martin Gramatica or Jamie Ream out there kicking field goals. Oh, even Gramatica's break. not missing that. Come on, man. Yeah, and Gramatica sometimes with some of those kicks, uh, like he had a huge leg, but I don't – you know, the accuracy every now yeah, and if then. We, if we get it, if the Kansas State gets into that situation, the key is to, like, you know, punch a player, get a 15-yard penalty, move back 15 yards, and then he's going to nail it. What about, Cole, what about Jared Bright? You feeling good about Jared Bright? Oh, my God. I was about to say, like, our concerns about Chris Tennant compared to Jared Bright days when uh, – and back when, like, Joe Ream was a freshman. What was it, 2001 season? Yeah, 2001 I mean, was rough. Yeah, You had to hope and pray they'd make an extra point. It was an adventure every time. I'll, I remember. I'll take, I'll take our kicker over Iowa State's. Yeah. Well, like I, I just remember back then, the uh, like some of the games weren't on TV, right? They went down to Lubbock. They were playing at Texas Tech, and I, I think K State missed multiple extra points. And you're listening to the radio, and 
man, that was dark times. And then you had the 2002 Texas game in Manhattan where I couldn't even watch. My, it was with my parents. My mom had her head ducked down. We were in the north end zone. And you just knew that 35-yard field goal wasn't going to go. <laughs> so. he, knew, he knew that they were. I remember, I remember Cole, I was there and I, I remember not watching. I like turned away and all I could hear was thump, thump. You heard like the second thump and it was just like, oh God. You just, yeah, there was no eruption from the crowd and you're like, oh, that, that did not go. I don't even know if that Texas guy did jump. I think Bright just hit him right in the helmet, uh, just standing there. Now, I, I don't want to throw shade at Jared Bright because he did actually, I think, have, um, you know, he came on later that year. It was a solid punter. I think they, they had him punting too, but sorry, Jared Bright, that you're catching some some strays from us here. Yeah. Did not anticipate that we'd get a Jared Bright reference or two on the, the, but, the show today, but we did. But, but your point stands, John, special teams are going to be gigantic in this game uh, because when you're talking about a low scoring defensive battle that we expect, it's going to be about who can protect the football and not turn it over, which K-State's been good at. And then could a special teams play be kind of that swing point that K-State either gets in great field position or gets a score off of that it's going to be a huge aspect of this game in an area K-State has a big advantage. And this is going to be a long podcast. We're still in headlines 27 minutes in, baby. <laughs> well, we're not anymore because we're about to hear from, uh, you know, uh, another ISU hater, and that's yep. uh, that's Brendan Mott, K-State defensive end, who D.Y. Uh, DY talked to for our, uh, our Sunday conversation that happened on a Tuesday. Former Hawkeye. The D.Y. conversation of the week Man. with uh, former former Hawkeye fan Brendan Mott. Derek Young with a three-maw conversation of the week. Guest this week is Kansas State defensive end Brendan Mott. This is your first year really with a lengthy amount of snaps, uh, even the last two games, two starts. Mm-hmm. What's this experience been like in K-State this year? Um, it's been unreal, man. It, it, uh, it's been a lot of hard work, but it's finally starting to show the, the hard work to pay off, so it's been awesome, and I've just been trying to embrace and, uh, and really, really live in the moment of it. You had to play the most snaps probably of your life the last two weeks against two offenses, Oklahoma and Texas Tech, to go really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you reaching any dehydration levels at this point? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I didn't know that I was going to get the start um, in the Oklahoma game until like 10 minutes before the game. So I'd say that was kind of nice because if I would have known before that, man, my nerves would have been, been way higher than they were. But uh it's been awesome uh, just just going out there and, and uh, just trying to show what I can do. We spoke to Felix in UDK Uzama today as well, and every time we ask him a question about himself, he kind of brushes it off and, and praises guys like you and Khalid Duke, who just had three sacks as well last mm-hmm. week. Just how tight is that defensive end room at this point? Yeah, man, we're, uh, we're a group of brothers, and we, we love, we love uh, working together, watching film together, uh, uh, you know, giving feedback to each other, and uh, we're, we're really close. Uh, we'll, we'll, if there's like a good NFL game on or something, we'll, we'll all go to a house and watch the good pass rushers go. So we're we're uh, we're pretty dang close, and it's awesome to have a group like that. What have you probably learned the most from Felix? He's the most vaunted pass rusher on this team, at least you know from the outside perception. Is there a go-to passing move that you developed because of him or anything like that? Yeah, uh, I mean the only problem is that Felix's build and my builds maybe just a little different because he is so dang strong and stuff. But uh, no, there, every day I learn something new from Felix on. Uh, maybe his get off his hand placement um he he's very smart football wise too so 
I'm uh, I'm really blessed to to be in the presence of Felix and just kind of be a student of his game a little bit. From a body build standpoint, at least body tight standpoint, probably much closer to Nate Matlack. Yeah. I imagine you guys are pretty similar, especially with the length. Uh, are you able to kind of model off each other a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. Nate, me and Nate live together. Uh, we're we're roommates and we're we're really close friends. So we'll be we we, uh, we for sure go go hand in hand with with pass rush moves and stuff. We we always joke about maybe who's the most athletic, who's quicker, this and that. But I mean, same thing. We're sending each other pass rush videos. We're always just kind of trying to get better, and uh, it's, it's awesome having it like that. How meaningful was it for him to finally, I guess, recover and take a little bit of a bigger step forward? He, he, you know, only three snaps against Oklahoma, but bounces back with 26 against Texas Tech. It was probably a great sign to have him out there that much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's he's getting better and better, and he may not have had the most snaps last week, but he still had uh, some good good production. He had a, a PBU. He had a fumble recovery. So it just shows that when, when Nate's on the field, man, he's – He's productive, and he's he's a great player. From a st- statistical standpoint, obviously Felix and, and Khalid get all the love. They had three sacks apiece last week. I think Felix forced another fumble mm-hmm. too. But uh, one guy that probably isn't as heralded as he should be to this point is probably Austin Moore. I think there's an argument he's been one of your best players mm-hmm. on your defense this year. Probably caught a lot of fans off guard because he wasn't well-known coming into the season. Yeah. At what point did you guys know that this is going to be one of our better players? I mean, we've always known that Austin's going to be a great player just by his work ethic. I mean, his nickname's The Machine for a reason. That that kid comes in every day ready to work and ready to get better. And uh, he, he's proven time and time again through through spring ball and fall camp that uh, – that when his time comes, which it has, that he'll be ready to fill those, fill that role. And man, he, he's a great leader. He's a hard worker, and he's he's someone that's now starting to make a lot of plays. You're from Iowa City. Mm-hmm. I imagine this week is a little bit more meaningful to you because of that. Do you? You're going up against the Iowa State offensive line. I'm sure they have a lot of kids from Iowa as well. I yeah. think Trevor Downing is one of them. Mm-hmm. How well do you know some of those guys that will try to be blocking you on Saturday? Sure. Uh, i not sure about the, the starters. I, I played uh, played junior ball with one of the kids that's on the offensive line, Dodge Souser, um, their backup quarterback. Um, I'm friends with him. His, his dad played ball with my dad at Iowa. So definitely some familiar faces that will be out on the field on, on Saturday, which should make it pretty enjoyable. And your dad played at Iowa. You're from Iowa City. Mm-hmm. Did you kind of grow up in a house that didn't really like Iowa State? Oh, absolutely. Uh, grew up a, a, a diehard Hawkeye fan. So uh, as as everyone knows, the Hawkeyes and Cyclones didn't really mix very well. So uh, coming to K-State and being a Wildcat, um, it, was a, it was a pretty – easy transition of maybe not being the biggest fan of of the cyclones and having a having a good fun rivalry um with that so yeah that was my next question so you're probably a pretty strong proponent of the name farmageddon and the rivalry itself yeah yeah it uh yeah it, it, it's a fun rivalry and i'm excited to 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 have it once again Last question, we'll kind of jump into the football side of it as we haven't really talked about the weeds of what you guys will be seeing on Saturday. Just what challenges do you think that Iowa State's offense can pose to you the most? I, I know they're a physical bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely physical. Um, they do a lot of motion, so it's just it's very critical for us to keep our eyes right and uh, 
not not let off the gas pedal uh maybe seeing a back hop a tight end move uh they got they got a good wide receiver some good backs so uh we just got to stay ready and and uh obviously be very physical up in the in the on the d line because we know that uh usually k-state iowa state games are physical as they are so so we got to be ready for that all right i'm Derek young with the three mall podcast that was kansas state defensive end brent we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Good morning. All right, we appreciate uh, Brendan Mott for hopping on with DY there. Uh, this, this is a perfect perfect way to segue into the Iowa State preview portion of this, which will also double as Cole revealing whatever the hell is happening behind him with the Iowa State bridge. Um, But I enjoyed hearing that. I do want to ask one question here to Derek about this because, you know, Deuce Vaughn has not beaten Iowa State, right, since he's been here. Like Felix, since King Felix has been out there playing regularly, he has not beaten Iowa State. Like the regular studs here, a lot of them, Julius Brents, like guys like that, they have have not beaten – Iowa State. How much talk was there about that this week? Like, are, are is this a game that means? It's the best way to ask this. Is this a game that means as much to the players as it does to the fans? It's close, and it's not necessarily because they don't like the other people or have a rivalry with the people on the other side necessarily. Like, like the love hate that you have with the Iowa State fans on Twitter. I don't think it's along those lines. I think they're really just pissed off about 2020 the last time they were in AIDS when they lost 45 to nothing. That's what we heard about the most. I know that to be honest, they said, you know, we've lost two times in a row, but the game that they always bring up is 2020 and how that felt going off the field because they just got their asses handed to them 45 to nothing. Man, in hindsight, I wish K-State just wouldn't have played that game. You know, a lot of teams would have bailed on that. And K-State went out there with down 30 plus guys and played it. And that's uh Iowa State fans love to point to that game, man. They kick K-State's ass when they're down 35 guys and they're starting quarterback. Yeah, congrats. That's right. Yeah, Skyler was out too, man. Yeah, that was 
I was, I remember hey. they, they didn't even learn about the, it was what two linebackers they, they figured out, like just couldn't get on the plane when they were getting ready to was, leave. Uh, wasn't it? It was Hughes and somebody else. It was Josh Rivas and Ben Adler. I think both got tapped. Right oh, no, no, no. Okay, that, that's right. That's right. Right before the bus was going to leave for Ames, both got that's tapped. Right. So you, you got COVID. But they they were they were short at line like Hughes and somebody else were out at linebacker because I remember that, that was the Texas game. No, 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 they were because I I vividly remember that was the first time that I I learned about Nick Allen and Austin Moore. Okay, was, well that was part of it, and then and then. I think there was, and I'm not even trying to throw shade, but then there was also a little bit of like uh, distress amongst the roster because there was a report right before the bus left that Malik Knowles was going to transfer too, which was turned out not to be true. There's just a lot going on. So that pissed off a lot of people too. So that was a, I think that was a traumatic and dramatic bus ride (laughs) just to Ames in general. Oh, that was the game where after the game, Kleiman in his post-game press conference was admitting that they had like some culture and locker room issues. Like, yeah, it was it was not a fun day. Not a fun hey, day. I prefer not yeah, to read. But, but, but credit to K-State for following the right protocols this year. I'm not sure, sure every team in the Big 12 did that. So. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the Iowa State preview section of the pod. So, Cole, I, I guess I'll just – I'll give you the the keys, mm-hmm. and you can you can go wherever you want with this, whether it's serious talk about the Iowa State offense which is pretty dreadful serious talk about the Iowa State defense which is pretty good and they have an elite pass rusher much in the same mold of Felix Anidike Uzama or the bridge whatever you uh, want to do this is all you I would say everything that I'm going to talk about is serious um, we're going to get into it X's and O's perspective as well and breaking down the defense and offense but uh, first of all I wanted to address something that occurred on Monday's show guys um, I discussed my desire to bring my family to Ames to see the bridge. And as I listened back to that episode, I realized some of my comments may not have come across with the sincerity that I intended for them to be. And I assure you that was not my intention. And I wanted to apologize to any Iowa state fans. I offended that thought I might've been mocking the bridge, which is a huge safety uh, thing that Iowa state has addressed. So I kind of I wanted to spend maybe two three minutes with you guys to do, to do the bridge the proper honor it deserves, uh, and so doing so I hope you guys are okay. Are you okay if I do a couple seconds or a couple minutes here on the bridge, just talk to you about it and well, give K State fans mean, some perspective? Well, there's a big difference between a couple seconds and a couple minutes. Well, we're gonna make it a, we're gonna make it probably a couple minutes. I'm sorry about that. Are you are you guys okay with me doing that? Okay. <laughs> Music. The Iowa State University East Gateway Pedestrian Bridge, a quarter-mile elevated $10 million walkway funded by the generosity of two $5 million gifts from Iowa State donors, was completed just prior to the Iowa State 2022 season opener. It's one of the most stunning pieces of architecture and engineering you'll ever lay eyes on. Iowa State Athletic Director Jamie Pollard tweeted about the bridge on June 15th, and I quote, This has the potential to become one of the most iconic additions we are making to Cyclone Athletics. I can't wait to see it in use this fall. End quote. Many Iowa State fans seem to agree with Pollard, not only believing it will make access to the stadium easier and safer, but will also have a dramatic impact on recruiting. And one tweet from an Iowa State fan in July. Well, John, that's what they said. You just listen in. And one tweet from an Iowa State fan in July. He responds to an individual mocking the bridge, and I quote, 
you clearly have no idea what a draw the bridge will be for engineering students who also <laughs> happen to be talented football players. The Twitter account Silites quote tweeted pictures of the bridge saying in all caps, come play for Iowa State, to which an opposing fan responded, my dog, it's a bridge. Cyclone Nation is mighty proud of that bridge, and they should be. To this day, a picture of the bridge remains the pinned tweet on the official Twitter account for Iowa State Athletics. And while the bridge has been met with fanfare by most, there are critics of this beautiful piece of concrete. One Iowa State fan questioned in a tweet the resources being used for a pedestrian bridge. Quote, why do we have 10 million for a bridge and 90 million for an athletic center, but are too broke to pay a once in a generation coach market value? End mm. quote. Matt Campbell, a once in a generation coach. There have also been concerns regarding heavy foot traffic on the bridge, guys. Cyclone fan Kate Sutton told the Iowa State Daily before the season opener, I'm a little worried about a human clog, but I'm keeping an open mind. <laughs> Despite Kate's concerns, it seems the bridge is holding up just fine, has an improved the Iowa State game day experience. However, the bridge will face its toughest test this Saturday for the Cyclone Super Bowl against 20th ranked K-State. So get to Ames this Saturday, K-State fans. Bring your entire family and make some special memories as you walk that bridge into Jack Trice Stadium. You don't get many opportunities to set foot on architectural wonders like the East Gateway Pedestrian Bridge. And one added benefit is the game is at night. So you'll have the opportunity to see the bridge lit up. And what a sight it will be. It's almost like a poem. The opportunity for the greatest architectural achievement in college football history exists here today. <laughs> and it is not, it is not one to be taken lightly. I think Cole, that's uh that's I just summed up everything you wasted the last five minutes saying there in one Bill Snyder quote. So. I like the, the 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 part that got me was the human clog. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you yeah, wait, where did you find that comment from the? That was from the uh, the Iowa State Daily. Uh, everything that I quoted in there was legitimate quotes from either Twitter or <laughs> from the Iowa State Daily. So uh, I see Jed Marshall, our producer, says he would like those last few minutes back of his life. That hurts. I'm trying <laughs> to do a serious show to commemorate the bridge and you guys are just mocking something that protects human life. I, I can, can I say Cole, I, $10 million is what you said was the cost of that thing. That's that'd be correct. Do you know how many years worth of like NIL that could fuel? <laughs> and instead it went to a bridge. Do we know what the impact of the recruiting is going to be on the bridge though? I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, okay. Fair enough. I, the rec that was the part that got me <laughs> like the, recruiting advantage for the bridge I mean, no, <laughs> engineering no. students that play football yes they, they, I, i'm actually gonna say maybe iowa state's onto something here because how much complaining have we heard about the east side parking with the indoor facility maybe the solution was just to create a, a bridge that would take you to like an elevated indoor facility and then everyone could have like kept their parking space that like you know we could have done this or like wasn't there going to be a bridge across kimball at one point uh iowa state's just ahead of the game as the more that they, I will say this: the more that they build over there, a bridge across Kimball wouldn't be a bad idea. 
Okay. Well, I, I mean, I don't disagree with the concept. I just don't know if I would have it extend an extra quarter mile. Uh, you know, I, I just get you over the road and then have it go back down. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Cole, the last thing I will say here is you just made a plea with K-State fans to get there so that they could see yeah, are you modern, getting there? modern achievement of, of fine architecture. Well, are you going to be in attendance to take in this – are we going to be in attendance to take in this fine architectural achievement? Well, if I'm in attendance, you're going to be in attendance. So it's going to be a joint collaboration on that. But, you know, look, I'm still I'm still going back and forth on it. I, you know, I hung these pictures because I'm trying to motivate myself to give myself incentive. When I stare at these pictures when I'm working every day and I can see them on my wall and I think, God, think how great it would look in person compared to just seeing it there. I mean, look at that. I mean, look at this grass and these, these trees way out there. And I don't know what the hell these, uh, I, I don't know what the hell is going on out here, what they're doing, but you know, I, I'm sure it's beautiful in person. And so that's, I'm trying to get myself to buy in and go. So the next, the, the next game or the future games, when you, when you break down offense and defense, I, I just want pictures, even if it's just like actual football where you're just pointing out, like you have the telestrator, like this, <laughs> yeah. has, to be, this has to be your, permanent like backdrop backboard uh, uh yeah john where are you leaning on going i mean i'm watching the game with you no matter what like if we don't go to the game we're going to watch it somewhere yeah well i mean I, honestly I, dude for this one i don't i'd rather watch it in your basement or my apartment i don't know that i want to be like i'm gonna be nervous man i'm gonna be well, nervous oklahoma was just like free free and loose you know whatever we just lost to Tulane. uh i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous here. And that is why, like, here, here's – this is honestly where I was at. Before I jumped on this podcast here tonight, we're recording on Wednesday night. Uh, before I jumped on this, I was like, man, I mean, it's just hard to pass up, like, a full day of getting to sit down and watch all the games and not be interrupted and not have to drive. And I did 10 years of driving to every K-State road game with the team doing pregame radio. Like, I've just I've been there, done that. I've been to Ames a million times. Uh, I just kind of wanted to step back from some of that, but I understand that it's a high risk, high reward situation, but I was kind of leaning toward like, um, you know, I'm a little soft these days because I've done enough of that, but then yeah. I hopped on here and I this heard is the year to go. and now, you know, the energy's flowing and I'm kind of back into like, oh, maybe. Uh, I need well, to all right. Well, this we'll, is we'll, here. Let, this let's is talk tomorrow. State's yeah. here. This is Kansas yeah. State's here. Uh, look at DY. You know, I if K State ends up losing, I'm going to punch DY in the face. Then if he gets us to go, and then that happens. So, uh, <laughs> no, I. Uh, well, let's talk tomorrow about it. We'll figure out. I'm sure our listeners don't want to hear us debate again. Yeah, I feel like we're having like a texting conversation on. The yeah, podcast. yeah, they don't want to hear that. We like, are, I, I got. Wait, wait, let, uh, you guys want to hear a little breakdown of Iowa State real quick? Let's you know three minute high level overview. Yes, if I can actually yes, do that real quick. Let me just say, Derek. People like us enough. I think they would love to hear our, our group chat esque conversations. So I think I think they would like to hear it. I had a gentleman on my YouTube show that I did right before this. Well, they asking should be for asking for the best part of our group chats because that's Chris Nelson when he's pissed. Yeah. Well, I had a gentleman asking for more three ma and wanting like live Q and A's with three ma right before I came on here. So I think not the people still like it. I think the people still like it. But it's not appropriate. <laughs> All right, Cole. Give us give us the high level Iowa State insight and analysis. All right. Please. Well, let's let's start with the offense, guys. You know, this is an Iowa State offense. It's not nearly as explosive as they've been in the past. 
4.8 yards per play on the year, number 104 in the country. They only had 3.9 yards per play against Kansas last week. Everybody knows they only scored 11 points, um, eight in the first half, and then couldn't get anything done offensively really in the second half. Uh, one of the big changes with them this year is obviously no Brees Hall, All-American running back, second-round pick in the NFL draft by the Jets. Um, had over had nearly 1,500 yards rushing last year. This year, they're averaging 99 rushing yards a game, which ranks 110th nationally and averaging 3.1 yards per rush, which is 112th of 131 FBS teams. Uh, and so they're not nearly as balanced. And, you know, their offensive line has struggled up front as well. Uh, you know, and Jarrell Brock, it doesn't help the situation. Their leading running back got hurt early in the game against Kansas, averaging 5.6 yards per carry on the year, at nearly 400 yards on the season, gets hurt, doesn't come back in the game after the first quarter. Sounds like he's been battling a nagging injury. And, and he made a comment, I believe, in the Ames Tribune uh, after the game that he's not going to put himself on the field to get hurt again, potentially. So the comment that he made, uh, Matt Campbell had in his press conference today said they'll have a better idea on his status. And then Cartavius Norton, another running back who missed the Kansas game, who they like as a freshman, um, they'd have a better idea on both their statuses after today's practice or tomorrow. Um, but the comment from Brock didn't seem overly optimistic that he would give it a go against K-State. We'll see. Maybe he won't be as effective. If he doesn't go, you know, they don't have really an effective running game outside of him. And so they become kind of one-dimensional. And Hunter Deckers then becomes kind of a standing statue in the pocket at the quarterback position, the first-year starter for the Cyclones. John, you mentioned earlier K-State recruited him out of high school, lefty quarterback, um, you know, against KU. If, people that watch the game. I only got to watch the fourth quarter, but just listening to the radio broadcast as well. And you guys watched the game and acknowledged it. He could have thrown four or five interceptions in that game, the risks that he was taking. Um, and then there was also just a lot of checkdowns, like simple screens, simple crossing routes. Uh, they weren't taking a lot of shots downfield and, you know, they're giving up an 8% sack rate over their last three games, over their last two games in big 12 play a 10% sack rate and only 6.4 yards per pass attempt, which is 97th in the country. 73% um, of their total offensive yards come via the pass, which is 24th most in the country, and they're giving up three sacks per game, 3.7 sacks over the last three games, and allowed a KU defense, which we know KU has been poor on defense all year, to get five sacks against them and hold them to 11 points. So, And their offensive line's better than that. I, I think it's some of that's Deckers doing them no favors. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, D.Y., one of the things that caught me off guard, you know, Xavier Hutchinson's a dynamic receiver. They have, you know, one Great. of the best receivers in the Big 12, big guy. Playing, six, soft, playing yeah. soft this year. Yeah, what, what was with the – they were multiple times he had a chance it, to get a first going, down. It, it's kind of like Adrian – and not to call Adrian soft because I'm not, but remember when Adrian was going down uncharacteristically short of the sticks a little bit in the first couple of weeks? That's what we, I've seen all year from Xavier Hutchinson. I don't. I, I, I don't thought know. he hurt them in that game because hell, you know that fourth and inches where they kicked the field goal at the end. He should have got that first down, Hutchinson. Like he's got to yep. reach out and get he that. Did that twice hey, in that game. Yeah, he he looked slow cutting up to get upfield when he on some of those crossing routes to get the first down. There were just multiple times I noticed it in the fourth quarter alone. So. Uh, you know, but, but I think Julius Brents, they'll probably match him up on Hutchinson because they're both, you know, Hutchinson's six three receiver, well, has over twenty two hundred yards. Do, State doesn't do matchup, they just do field and boundary. Well, I'm gonna recommend matchup there, DY. So well, let's we've never done that. Well, so. let's 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 make sure we do a matchup here. All right. Uh that's no knock on Echo Boydo, but uh I like K State's six three corner and Julius Brents on their six three receiver because their other guys aren't, you know, aren't that big. 
Um, so that's just that's that'd be my preference. I mean, let's see. We'll never um, do that. They haven't done that with any receiver that's been better than Xavier Hutchinson. Well, fine, fine. Um, well, either way, K State's gonna have to figure out a way to contain Hutchinson, and if you can do that, I think you can force Deckers and Iowa State into some turnovers. And, I mean, you know, other, than, other than one big one, it's not like Marvin Mims really like destroyed Kansas State. So I guess uh, I'm I'm not worried about diet Marvin Mims and Xavier Hutchinson. Yeah. Well, we know Hutchinson's not as explosive as Mims, right? And he's so, not as explosive, but he's more like a go up and get it guy. He is for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is where K State. I mean, they're number two in the country in turnover margin per game. I think K State's forced eleven turnovers now on the year already. Look, so. if, if Iowa State beats Kansas State through the air, there's a hell of a lot more problems than that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, did, did we cover the defense, Cole? Have you covered uh, the defense? I, I guess, yeah. But real quick on I mean, the defense. Their defense is really damn good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could probably the Iowa State offense just got ten times more discussion than it warrants. <laughs> well, because well, because because. I feel like K-State's defense can win in this game by forcing some turnovers and creating either a defensive score or setting K-State's offense in a favorable position because of how mistake-prone Iowa State's been on the offensive side of the ball. But, yeah, I mean, look, the Iowa State defense is obviously their storyline and their strength, uh, and I we mentioned it on the Monday show, 2.7 yards per rush, six best in the country, best in the Big 12 run defense, uh, 80 rushing yards per game allowed, fifth in the country, 7% sack rate, 39th in the country, 23rd in pass efficiency defense, six yards per pass attempt allowed, 16th in the country, 4.1 yards per play allowed, seventh in the country. Um, and DY mentioned on the last show, Will McDonald, um, kind of 1A, 1B with Felix at the DN position in this league or on the D line overall, um, had 11 and a half sacks and 14 tackles for loss last season for Iowa State. Only one and a half sacks and two and a half tackles for loss so far this year. I don't know if that's because teams are double teaming him or what. We know Felix has battled through that um, and been successful. But, yeah, they're, they're good on the, the defensive side of the football. And I, they have multiple guys, K-State's recruited, that are starting there. Miles Purchase, Colby Reader, the linebacker. The linebacker. Yeah, yeah. So I think I counted three guys that they're well, starting on the defense well, Miles, at K-State. Miles, Miles Purchase, both Bo Frailer, Freiler. Yeah. Yep. Those two stick out. And then Jaylen Colby Reader. Yeah. Didn't Reader visit K-State? Yeah, Colby Reader is a transfer from Delaware. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's there's the Iowa State preview. Defense good. Offense bad. Bridge recruiting advantage. That's that's what you need to know about the clones. Uh, we, got, we got it all covered. And uh, we head into, uh, you know, quick hitters. My favorite part of the show. And if you think this has already been convoluted and off the rails, it's probably going to get more so here. Uh-huh, um, yeah, I smell some of these already. First one, not as much. This is much more, you know, football guys. We're going to talk numbers. All right. Over under 13 and a half carries for Adrian Martinez on Saturday. I will give you some context here. He's only had one game this year with more than 13. That was the Oklahoma game at 21. But he's also had at least 12 in every game. It's crazy if you go look at his game log. It's like 12, 12, 13, 12. Uh, 21. I mean, so like everything's been in the same kind of range. So over under 13 and a half carries for him. Yeah. It's a good question because if it's working, they could run him 25 times because that's probably what it would take if it, if it's working, I don't think it's going to work. So I think it's under. Yeah. Taking the under as well, because I don't think K 
K-State's going to be able to run Adrian that much against his physical Iowa State defense. And I think they're going to really key in on him, especially after the results of the last two games and try to take away the QB run game and the scramble and spy him. He's going to have to beat him with their arm. Uh, I think K-State's going to throw the ball a little bit more similar to what they did against OU. I think – sorry, John. I think it's one of those things where it's going to be like five or six or 20. (laughs) I I would agree. I I think they're going to – Iowa State will be – I respect the Iowa State defense enough that I I think they'll be able to take that away. You can't – I mean, if you watch, even as good as Deuce is, it's like what Derek said earlier, maybe even just forcing Deuce to do more, whether it's running or passing the ball. Like at this point, Adrian has almost turned into the – you know, we saw the like Eli Drinkwitz had those signs up that Deuce found a picture of. They were like, "Don't let twenty-two beat you." And I feel like now it's turning into "Don't don't let nine beat you." Uh, yeah. More so than twenty-two. So I, I would anticipate that's what they take away first. Um, <laughs> God, my questions. Okay, <laughs> uh, more ignorant comment made on an Iowa State podcast. Uh, <laughs> nobody ever wanted or offered jobs to Bill Snyder, or <laughs> Iowa State has the same ceiling as TCU as a football program. Cole, why don't you lead us off here? It's the Snyder one. Yeah, yeah it's the Snyder one. Uh, what an the, asinine thing to say. Because heard that can on be the, actually proved. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it on the podcast I listened to last night, Iowa State podcast. Uh, I don't We don't need to name it. But, okay, uh, so UCLA, Minnesota, it was the Jag, Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, I don't think the, Bill Bill said an NFL team in his biography. I don't the think. Vikings. The Vikings. Oh, the Vikings. Okay. okay. LSU. Yeah. LSU. Okay. So the hilarious thing about that, guys, they specifically said there were no schools like LSU coming for Bill Snyder when he was at Kansas State. And I was like, uh, they definitely came for Bill Snyder. And yeah. their point, their their whole point was everybody wants Matt Campbell. Nobody wanted Bill Snyder from K-State. Yeah, both of those are stupid. What does the kid say? AF, but uh it's definitely <laughs> the Snyder one. The Iowa State TCU one, at least you can kind of debate it, I guess, if you want. No, to. you can't. It, no, you cannot debate it. No, TCU, no, it's no, it's stupid as hell. But that that one is where there's no concrete right or wrong answer. Okay. It's just like it's more of a common sense thing. Like you can actually go and have phys- physical like evidence of the Bill Snyder thing. I mean, I've seen physical evidence of TCU winning eleven plus games three times this decade since they came to the Big Twelve. <laughs> Iowa State has not won ten games their entire history. As a university, bridge yeah, or ten first, yeah. And uh, TCU also resides. That, that's not even counting the biggest part of this, which is that TCU is in a major metro area in the most football talent rich state. What you got, what you got against Des Moines, Iowa? <laughs> uh, and that's I, there was some Iowa State bozo in my mentions at one point throwing Des Moines out there. I mean, I'm like, yeah, where would you rather be, Dallas, Fort Worth, to recruit football players, or Des Moines? No offense to Des Moines area community college. They churn out some nice baseball talent every now and then. But what about uh, Ames, Ames High School at Alan Lazard. Okay. Well, <laughs> go, go pack go. Yeah. Um, better tradition. Texas A&M's midnight yell distance or oh, Iowa God. State's bridge. Better tradition. Oh. <laughs> okay. The, those A&M ones are bad. So, like, I, Iowa State's, like, what are you doing with the whole bridge thing and, and like pumping it up? Like it's the best thing since NIL, <laughs> but uh, the A&M thing, like those, th- those things aren't going away. Uh, yeah. They're both. Uh, I mean, I respect the bridge obviously a lot, so I'm going <laughs> to go with the, the bridge. 
I think it's a budding tradition that's going to get a lot of use out of it. And uh, we actually, Mitch on PowerCat Game Day, asked us this question about what's more embarrassing. A few weeks ago, the AM Yell leaders, or uh, I can't remember what the the sidebar question comparison was. I took the AM thing, man. It's it's so cringeworthy and embarrassing. Uh, it's bad. <laughs> I, I, I was watching one last night from 2020 that appeared on my Twitter feed. I was like, God, do, do these guys not watch this and are like, God, I'm embarrassing the shit out of myself. Like, it's so bad. I just don't think they can. I mean, it's what they do and what they've done forever. It's just the world finding out about it now. I mean, I remember when when they they joined the Big when the Big 12 formed. I remember people that went in 96 when K-State won there, when they like never lost there. And people saying, oh, you got to go. You got to see the midnight yell and like hyping it up like this big thing. So I always thought it was like a really cool thing. And my first experience actually seeing it has come like in the last three or four years when these have hit Twitter. And I'm like, what What were people watching thinking that this was cool? Uh, Okay. I'm on fire here tonight because the next question is, (laughs) what happens first? Memorial Stadium in Lawrence gets a plumbing upgrade or Iowa State has a 10-win season. I mean, Iowa State's probably a couple years yet from 10 wins because I think you have to kind of repeat that cycle to kind of hit your hit your peak. Like Chris Kleiman is in that peak year right now or should be. I think Iowa State's still two or three, three years away from hitting that peak again. Uh, Surely Kansas will have plumbing before then. B.Y., I, I don't know if you need to be reminded, Iowa State's never won 10 games in their program's history. So they're never going to do it. It's never going to happen. They have a once-in-a-generation coach right now, and he's not going to get it done. So they're going to upgrade the plumbing in Lawrence at some point. Well, it, it, here's the, the answer is easily the plumbing, and it's because Lance Leipold's going to freaking demand it now that you got a bidding war between Wisconsin and Nebraska going on potentially here. At the is he going to bid it when he's in Lincoln? Well, I mean, okay. But they'll, they'll, I feel like there's a, there's a chance that the sense of urgency would pick up a little bit here. Plus, you know, the – Three straight sellouts. They're getting some fans in there, and I've you know I've seen some some grumbling, some complaints about the plumbing situation. So I think I think they'll get it figured out. I mean, in all seriousness, Travis Goff is a pretty good athletic director. Early returns there. My God, do I miss Jeff Long? So uh, yeah, I think they'll I think they'll figure it out. Uh, we end on a more serious note here, boys. More likely, KU wins the conference or Oklahoma finishes six and six or worse. I'll say Oklahoma six and six or worse. Um... Yeah, I mean, KU's schedule, you look at it, it's it's going to crank up pretty heavily here down the stretch. They've played probably the two worst teams they're going to play in this league. I say that rec- recognizing Iowa State is going to be a significant challenge for K-State because it's in Ames. Um, I, I think KU probably at best is going to end up around a seven-win team this year. And uh, I think Oklahoma, this thing could fall off the tracks for them, off the rails, uh, especially if what happens against Texas – occurs what I think is going to happen on Saturday. Yeah, I'll say the Oklahoma thing is more likely just because I think they're getting L number three already this week. I mean, I, boy, we've seen some bad teams win Red River. I, I wouldn't write off Red River the way you guys are. By the way, I think if for everybody's sake, it would be good if Oklahoma won Red River. Um, it would. I, I mean, I think it's fairly close. I have a hard time seeing either one of those things happening, but I – 
Cole, I would yeah. put Kansas' ceiling at like eight and four. Kansas, Oklahoma's a lot closer to going six and six than Kansas is to winning the Big 12. Well, I tell you what, the new narrative out of Norman is, you know, uh, Oklahoma was running a very simple high school defense. Now they've come in with a complex defense, and so it's going to take some time. So, you know, they had to break it down before you build it back up. <laughs> if that's, that's the case, then six and six is more likely. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Lead pipe lock of the week time. I have made a move in the standings. I am up ahead of DY at three and two this year. DY's two and three. Cole though uh, is our fearless leader at four and one. And uh, you know, I feel like that means you need to you need to start this off. You need to kick this off, Cole. What is your what is your lead pipe lock of the week? LSU plus three against number eight Tennessee in the Bayou. Um, I like LSU. At the, yeah, Tennessee. The only thing Tennessee did their only road game this year. They went to Pittsburgh, and we, Pittsburgh's not very good, and they should have lost that game, won it in overtime. So, I'm not buying into Tennessee yet. I, I think they go into LSU and they drop that game. I'm buying. I take the money line. I'm buying into Tennessee, so I disagree. But I'm two and three, lost three straight. So who am I? Kurt, you're up. I'm last because I'm the lead course. Okay. All right. That's fine. Um, I actually am going to go uh, – I'm sorry to uh, to Tucker Franklin here, but I'm going to go Florida minus 10.5 against Mizzou. Uh, I know Mizzou played out of their minds all of a sudden. Or Yeah, there you go. There we go. Yeah. Got the helmet, baby. Um, or, you know, I mean, I guess you could go the other side. I, <laughs> I just don't foresee Missouri throwing together back-to-back performances. I like that one. They have played Florida pretty tough. Uh, that in fact, I think that's basically Drinkwitz's best win. But this just feels like a spot where they kind of turn back into a pumpkin after last week. They they had the magic working in Columbia. Um, I, I don't think Florida's a world beater by any stretch, but I've seen enough of Missouri this year to know that last week was the exception and far from the rule. So I'm just going to play Mizzou coming back down to earth and losing by a couple scores. Uh, a couple uh, didn't, scores. didn't you learn from DUI last week? You don't bet against the Tigers. I was going to say, now. look, look, I like that one. And I'm actually on it again, Florida 10 and a half on Missouri. But Georgia let me down with a minus 28 last week. That was pretty rough. Uh, didn't a lot like that. Look, Illinois is getting too yeah. much. They're getting too much love, I think. Oh, no. I thought this was going to be like a pro Bielema. No, the fighting Brett Bielema is getting too much love. I know this other team that's playing them can't score, but they're a little bit, they've been there before. Gonna put your I, I'm going to Iowa. As a dog, <laughs> I know. I know nobody wants to take Iowa this year, and it's understandable. But they're a dog against Illinois. Give me Iowa plus three and a half, and I'll give you a bonus one. Another helmet here, by the way. North Carolina is an underdog against Miami. North Carolina money line. Hey, what's your bet of the year? You tweeted that you had like a bet of the year, but you don't have a helmet for it. Let me see. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot your bet uh, of the oh, year? Oh, oh. it's kind of like the Illinois play. Mississippi State, people are too high on them. Arkansas coming back from the Bama loss. I can see Arkansas, that. Arkansas see plus it. six and a half. Yeah. I thought about that. I yeah. thought about that. And plus, like, Leach, it's like Mike Leach is never – he'll always lose, like, three games. He's never going to string together enough consistency for you. He'll be very good, win games he shouldn't, but he's never yeah. going to, like, put together that dream season. Arkansas money line is probably even a good one. By the way, Indiana plus 21 and a half against Michigan. I don't know about that one, but I like some of the others. Okay, uh, prediction time now. I'll start this off. I This is – and this is part of why I'm so – torn about whether or not to go to Ames. 
for all the jokes, everything we got out there, I am very nervous. I, I I'm taking K State 24-23. Iowa State covers. K State wins. Uh, I've got the cats by one, 24, 23. <sighs> You're okay. <laughs> Uh, well, if it's that close, man, I'm, and I do expect it to be close, John, I'm going to be pouring the bourbon pretty heavily uh, if we're not in Ames for that. Um, I, I had a somewhat similar score. I mean, I had K-State 20, Iowa State 17. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, and it's going to be dictated by who protects the football better and uh, special teams. And ultimately, I give K-State the slight advantage on that front overall, and I'm going to take K-State. But you guys know how I felt about this game going into the year. We pegged it as a – I think John and I pegged this. I think we, as a loss. Didn't we all have it as a loss. DY had TCU as a loss. Iowa State as a win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tight. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I know we mock Iowa State and have some fun with them, but it's definitely not easy to win there, especially at night. I think I saw that they're six and zero in night games. Their last six contests, they're going to be fired up and desperate. I'm not busting out old glory. I have Iowa State winning twenty to nineteen. No. Oh. <laughs> Boo. You bastard. <laughs> They're at home. They're going to play the best game of the year. They win 20 to 19. Uh, DY, isn't that the score of the, 29, uh, the 2017 oh. game when Skyler hit Zuber? Yeah, the Kiss Day won 20 to 19. Going with that same score, huh? Gross. DY. Wow. You, you flipped the script on us. You, you had K State winning this game and then before the year. The way that it's set up, I think this is an Iowa State win. Oh my God. Okay. Well, uh, D D I, what, what is your Twitter handle now? I almost said the old one. Derek young KSO. Okay. Derek young KSO on Twitter. You guys know where to is find it, it. I don't even know if that's right. Hold on. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it. Yeah. that's it. That's it. <laughs> okay. Send the complaints that way. We'll talk to you after K state, Iowa state, uh, tweet at Cole underscore man If you want to try and encourage him to, uh, to drag us to Ames. And uh, I suppose that's about it. Stock up on your 360 vodka, Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon, support Holiday Distillery. We appreciate the work of Jed Marshall behind the scenes, Tucker Franklin as well. For the great Derek Young and the great Cole Manbeck, I am John Kurtz. Thank you for listening to another edition of Three Moths.